to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I'm your host, Francine Belly, and I show purpose-driven entrepreneurs and professionals a powerful pathway to become thought leaders in their field, attract their ideal clients, and impact millions of people globally. So don't get fooled. It hasn't always been that way. I went from being a frustrated and unfulfilled corporate employee to living a globe-trotting lifestyle, doing what I love, speaking across the world, and being featured in top media publications. I am on a mission to help a million entrepreneurs and professionals to become thought leaders in their industry by leveraging the power of personal branding. Join me and my guests every Tuesday for inspirational stories and practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make the money you deserve, and lead a movement to change the world. Today, I have a really fascinating guest, and I'm really excited to have Meredith Keith Church. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, so she's going to tell me that. So Meredith is the founder of Decolonizing Your Health, where she helps high-achieving perfectionists to take care of themselves so they can go out into the world and do their soul's work that brings them joy. Hi, Meredith. Hello, Francine. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, wonderful. Same here. So before we go further into our conversation, tell us in your own words what you currently do. Sure. So I like to say that I'm a lifestyle optimization coach. So, uh, you know, I'm not always one for titles, and yet I know some people like to have that in a succinct way. So I work with people on their everyday lifestyle choices and help them really make the choices that are right for them to, as you said, you know, experience that joy. And so what does that mean? I take a, a health and wellness perspective and I really go outside what I think most people think of when they think of their lives, their health, their wellness, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's really about our everyday choices of how we're spending our time, who we're spending our time with. Are we focusing on those pieces of our life's journey, our soul's journey, really what we're here to do? And things like boundaries, technology use, uh, you know, all of these things that, that maybe we just really do on autopilot sometimes. We're not really making those conscious choices in addition to, you know, how we move through the world, um, how we rest, uh, you know, how we're respecting our bodies in that way, um, as well as taking care of our thoughts, you know, where, where are we leaning our thoughts towards? Uh, and are we really embracing our own ideas? Or are we more concerned about those external motivators or external, I guess, messages that we receive sometimes? So all of that wrapped up together is really what I focus on supporting people with on a regular basis. Ah, that is quite a lot. And I'm really fascinated about that. And I just wanted to know how actually you have decided to get into this work and doing what you're doing and really supporting people in this kind of holistic way? Yeah, so great question. It started out from my experience with family members specifically, and then spreading out to, to more friends and acquaintances. And what I was noticing was, for example, my parents, who lived in the same house for decades, had a very similar schedule, routine, that sort of thing, however, made a few different choices and resulted in their, their overall health and wellness, lifestyle, happiness really being different. And so having seen that, for example, whereas my father was surrounded by a community of people who really supported him, did work he loved every day, got outside, insisted on a daily walk, uh, you know, some of these things um, he'd been doing for years. And then my mom, who was a little more inward, didn't have as much of a community of support, uh, was not 
very a frequent mover at all, was very sedentary. Um, again, just a few lifestyle choices that I noticed that they had different. My dad was in fantastic health, is still in fantastic health, um, has not struggled with health issues, has, has really always been in tip top shape. And my mom had always struggled with health issues for many years. So that was my first example, uh, you know, and I thought this isn't a coincidence, but then as, as life would go on, I had other examples to see up close and personal. I have adult stepkids and they moved in with us when they were 11 and 15 on a full-time rather than part-time basis. And just by making a few differences in how they spent their time, um, again, how much they were outside in the world, uh, moving their bodies, um, the people they were around, that sort of thing. Within a matter of months, they were happier, healthier, just more vibrant. And I could see that firsthand, again, living with people, um, how much of a difference it really made to just tweak a few things in their lifestyle. So I thought, you know, this is something that I have experience with personally. I've seen the difference it can make. I'll bet there are people who would want to know more and who would like support because it's really hard to do these kinds of things on our own and just sort of push us to ourselves to be motivated and stick with something that we're making different. So I thought, you know, what if I could assist other people in doing this? And I'd had a background. I had a bachelor's degree in applied health science, and I hadn't been utilizing it in that way. I'd actually worked for 10 years in corporate human resources. So taking a totally different direction. Um, and I just felt really passionate about being able to support folks with this. Mm, that is really fascinating, you know, because actually what I have noticed, you know, having been interviewing people a lot on this podcast, usually our passion actually comes from our environment and what's actually we've been through actually. And sometimes we went, we go on to do like the normal career. <laughs> Yes. we finally see, oh, what actually is our mission or what we really want to do is just around us, actually. And yes. uh, it's fascinating also to hear your mom and your dad, different choices and uh, how you've been able to actually now bring that and uh, support other people with this. So wonderful. So that is wonderful. Tell me, Meredith, what is one thing people don't know about you? Don't say it out loud. Don't know about me. That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> so um, I think that one people, one thing that people don't know about me is I actually take some time to warm up to new situations. I think people assume that because I do enjoy speaking to others, I do enjoy presenting and things like that. I think people assume I'm comfortable in every situation that I step out and that I'm friendly and I am friendly. However, I like to be in a situation for a while on the sidelines, absorbing a little bit and processing before I am ready to just jump in. So I'm not as, I guess, maybe forward and assertive as most people think. I'm usually there waiting in the wings a little bit before I feel confident and comfortable standing up and saying something or taking a leadership role. Ah, that's fascinating. Okay, so that's wonderful. So now let me, um, so I know that you have this framework called uh, Listen, Think and Do that you actually use to find inner wisdom. Tell us how that works. And if you can share also a practical example or case study or how somebody can use that, that would be great. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so so yes, I have these three areas that I feel really help people move through when it is time to, to really take a look at their choices and whether or not they want to make a change. So the first piece is listening, and that refers to how I have found that over time, we've been trained often to seek approval from outside systems, oftentimes systems that have, have oppressed our voice, um, particularly when it comes to marginalized communities, uh, we're trying to fit in to a mold or an expectation that's been set out for us. And we think, oh, in order to do this, 
I've got to make these choices because that's what these folks are doing. I don't want to stand out, you know, that sort of thing. So the first step in this framework is, is turning that around and really listening to our own intuition. And sometimes that can be hard. I've had clients that say, I don't actually know what I want. I thought this was my dream, right? I thought this was what I wanted. It just doesn't feel right or I'm not well. And so I, I know I must be wrong, but I don't know what that is. So Sometimes it can take some time to relearn how to hear that, how to hear the intuition, how to know what's actually ours and not someone else's. And it can be done. So that's that's step one is that listening piece. And, you know, we don't need to seek that external validation, even though we may have been told that in order to find our answers. We have our answers. So think is the second piece. And so once we can hear our internal voices and what we're really meant to be doing, sometimes we get caught up in this idea that, you know, oh, we have to be able to prove something. Something has to be scientifically, rationally, you know, factually driven um, and, and, you know, connected with logic. And the truth is that sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes we just know things. Um, you know, if you've ever been in that situation where you've made a choice, it's turned out a certain way and you thought, you know, I didn't really want to do that. I knew that was not the right choice, you know, and looking back, you remember that you had that idea, but people were saying, oh, that sounds like a great opportunity or, well, you can't explain why it doesn't feel right. You should just try it, you know, that kind of thing. We've all been through that situation. So, we know, right, that we don't always have to have an explanation for something, but, uh, you know, our wisdom that we have, uh, it's just as valid for making those decisions, right? And so then the third piece of doing really talks about the action. A lot of times we get caught in our thoughts and we have all these ideas and plans, and those are great. You know, creativity is where we can come up with these, these new ideas. We've got to make it to that final piece of the action. So when we think about this, I like to, again, go back to that internal wisdom piece because sometimes we get stuck on the action because we've been told that maybe experts know how to do things. Oh, we should model our action from this known way, right? And there's this hierarchy that we're, we're often taught about, you know, with these experts, who are the people in power? Well, this is the way it should be done, right? So who are we to, to step out and do something totally different? Uh, you know, I don't know, are we in charge? Who's in charge? You know, so that piece of like being our own authority, being our own expert and making those actions without question, without, you know, worrying about productivity or like, what are we going to have to show for it? Right. That's another thing, you know, taking action is enough in many instances to move us forward. However, a lot of times we're told we need something to show for it, right? In our productivity focused world, you know, hurrying and getting fast results, that kind of thing. And so we're so concerned about what we're going to have to show for it. But honestly, you know, the priority is well, the only thing that really matters is that we are honoring what we've come up with when we have realized the next step through our own intuition process, and that we're moving towards our joy, that we're moving towards what we know to be our truth. That's all we really need. So being able to set aside these expectations and, you know, it's tough, but the conditioning that sometimes we've been in, um, and people can have these breakthrough moments. So as far as specific examples, um, I'm thinking about a client, for example, who really, really wanted to change the relationship with uh, technology. And now this was someone who had uh, their own business, has their own business, um, a parent, uh, also a caregiver of some other folks in their life. So, you know, the first thing that they were hearing was all of these messages from, from folks they were working with or other family members you know, you need to be available to me, you know, here are all the ways that you need to be available to me. When really, when they were considering it, not only were they ex experiencing a lot of stress with that, they were having some physical manifestations as well. They'd been in a, a car accident several years prior and were in physical therapy. And they were noticing that the more they were using their phone in particular, as opposed to their, their computer, for example, their, their neck pain was really exacerbated. So, 
in starting to listen to what they knew to be their truth and what they knew, which was they could still support their folks, they could still run their business. And maybe it was a different way than what people were telling them, you need to be available to me this way. So we worked through that piece and that was huge for them to be able to know, you know, who am I listening to? What am I listening to? Um, so then considering those different options, you know, at first they thought, well, there's no way I can step away from my phone. You know, I've, I've got to be able to use text messaging, this type of thing. But then when they really started to listen, they thought, you know, I think there's another way to do this. I can use messaging through my computer. Uh, you know, you can sign up for different, different types of messaging applications. Uh, and they said, you know, I don't have to totally throw out my phone either. Cause that was the other thing like, oh, well, it's an either or, right. And that was the first thought was we're told, oh, it's, it's either or it's, it's very, you know, um, it's on this, this not on a spectrum, there are only two choices. So they thought, well, I don't want to get rid of my phone. So I just can't do this. Then when they realized, you know what, I could use my phone for listening to music, um, listening to podcasts, these types of things, and shift my primary communication to my landline phone for phone calls, or computer applications for other types of communication, I, I think I can actually do this. So again, it was, it was it was those thoughts kind of breaking through what's what is the I known to be, you know, scientific, everybody's doing it this way versus, you know what, I think I have these new and different ideas and I can just go with this flow. So the action then became, you know, what interestingly the client called retraining. Um, she said, you know, I love this retraining of other people because it did take communication to others to say, I'm doing things differently. And to hear them complain, oh, but I like to be able to reach you on your phone. Well, I'm just going to keep calling your phone. Okay, well, I'm not going to respond. <laughs> and taking those actions that were a little bit uncomfortable, getting calls, getting text messages, getting voicemails, and only responding through the methods that, you know, this person had decided to utilize, eventually retrained, as she said, you know, these folks um, eventually worked past that that pain, the people saying, oh, you can't do this. This just isn't how things are done in order for her to create this new reality where almost immediately after it had been in place for just a week or so, the neck pain stopped, the stress lowered, and all of these then cascade effects you know, went into place in terms of the time they were able to spend on their business, not feeling so overwhelmed, having relaxed conversations with friends and family, not having, you know, interruptions, being able to drive, listening to music instead of having conversations. So, you know, the list goes on and on, but that's a specific example of how someone has applied this framework to a need, something that felt like they knew could be better and saw results right away. Yeah, wow. That is powerful, actually. Uh, um, yeah, so what you just say is really powerful, this um, um, uh, framework, because obviously all of them mean that we have to get rid of all our conditioning. You know, the fact that we listen and we are aware of our own intuition rather than going out and asking all everybody else's opinion. And then the second bit is to think, which is actually, you know, you don't need any other explanation. You don't need to come up with like a logical answer why this has happened, uh, why you need to do this. And, you know, your gut feeling is also enough and then go out and doing things. And uh, I love that. I love that framework. It sounds simple, but is really, really, really comprehensive. And uh, the way also you give that uh, example of the phone, um, you know, not, you know, the phone causing pain to your clients um, and now identifying that as a source and get rid of that and retraining other people <laughs> to actually um, use their methods now. You know, and we can use that in any other situation I can think of. You know, it can be yes. any other ways that we can actually decide this thing in particular in my life is not working. I am going to decide that this is going, this is how it's going to work for going forward. And then communicate that to my other folk around me. This is the way I'm doing things. Obviously, people, you know, reject or, you know, a fear rejection actually how do you get them pass over this kind of fear that 
Oh, especially a mobile phone. You know, who else is not using mobile phone on this planet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, how do you get people to get past the fear once they know that, okay, this is what I want to do now. How do I communicate that to other people? What if they reject me? What if my spouse doesn't like me anymore, etc.? Yes. And that's a huge question and a huge barrier often for sometimes, you know, for people, they get excited and then they get to that point, wait, it's not just me. Yes, this is my life and it affects other people. I interact with others. You know, what do I do about people who are doing things differently, who might not support? So, so yes, this is, this is super important. And I love to talk about this. So there are a couple of dimensions to this. One is that a lot of times, People around us have a strong reaction to our doing things differently because it causes them to consider their choices. And I didn't know this at first. I learned this over time after personally making a number of choices that were very different from those around me. Uh, my family and I, for example, don't have a car. We live a car-free lifestyle. I don't have a mobile phone. I haven't had one for many years. So first understanding that sometimes people's first reactions are not really even about us or the thing that we're doing, but it causes them to wonder, wait a minute, they're changing up. Am I doing something wrong? Is that, well, what, you know, and then that can cause some conflict in them. Like, oh, well, well I might want to try that, but oh, that's too scary. You know, so, so understanding that you, you may be receiving some, some feedback that really isn't even about you and just being able to not take it personally in the, in the, you know, initial phase, right? Allowing them to have those moments, allowing them to, to maybe even talk about that. Oh, you know, and asking questions about, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why you feel that way or, or what, so what makes you say that? Or, or what, what are you concerned about? You know, trying to get to that. Is it you? Is it them? Is it, you know, what, what's going on there? So that's the first piece. And then the second is, being able to come to them with the explanation of why you're doing it because you're doing it for you, right? It doesn't have to do with them. It's not about something they're doing. It's not about anything that they're choosing that's not right, you know, because they're choosing what's right for them. So being able to communicate, you know, I just realized uh, my neck's been hurting a lot on the days where I don't, I'm not looking at my phone as much. I noticed it doesn't hurt. So I'm trying to shift for my own health, for my own joy example, you know, you notice that when I have a lot of neck pain, I, I'm, I have a short temper, you know, what you and I are getting into more arguments because I'm in pain. And that means I don't have as much energy to really think through things. So I may snap at you, these types of things. Um, because when we make these choices, the people around us really do benefit. They may just not realize that initially. So, you know, being able to talk to them about why you're doing this thing, how you see it, benefiting you, first of all, and if they're in your lives, they care about you, right? Um, they care about how you're feeling if you're able to go out into the world and do your work, right? So there's that aspect. And then there's also the connection of, and in fact, here's how this is going to make things better with us. Or here's, you know, I'm, I'm going to have more time, for example, making this lifestyle shift. So you know how you've always been asking me, could we have our, you know, our weekly coffee? Well, that's going to be able to happen now because I've made these shifts and, you know, here's how that's going to change my schedule. So those are just a couple of examples of, of how that can really translate to those around us. Um, but I find that taking those perspectives can be the most and opening that conversation and letting them know that, you know, you definitely still care about them. This is just something that's going to improve everybody's situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yes. I love the fact that, you know, once you've done your decision, it's not going and impose that on them, but explaining and communicate that, you know, choice and how also it's going to affect them positively. Obviously, when they see the brighter side of that, they say, okay, please leave your phone away and come <laughs> with me. Yes. Wonderful. I love that. Um, so you also have this uh, uh, concept of decolonizing your health. Tell us more about this concept of decolonizing your health and um, you know what is in what that involves. Yeah, so my philosophy uh, of this decolonization lens is definitely different than you know others who talk about health, wellness, lifestyle optimization, that kind of thing. What I've found over the years that I've been doing this work is that when we talk about the effects 
of our experiences, which includes colonization for all of us. It's affected all of us. Um, and particularly, again, for some marginalized communities who have been historically marginalized. Sometimes when we figure out how we got to be where we are, it can actually make things easier in making change. And you know, I know some folks think, oh, well, why would we want to think about the past? Or let's just look forward. The thing is, we've all been affected, uh, you know, some of us in different ways than others of us. And so I've worked with folks who, who said, oh, well, now that we're talking about this, I see where that came from. Uh, you know, originally, we didn't have some of these ideas. And so a lot of times people think, well, oh, this thing is new, or this is a new idea. And that, you know, and it's when we trace things back to pre colonial times, there are a lot of things we were doing to support ourselves in health, wellness, and our lives that somehow got lost within this prospect of when people came in and said, oh, here's a new way of doing things. You're not going to do that this way anymore. Let's change. Mm -hmm. and, and when people realize, oh, you know what? I, I used to do things in this way that this isn't new, right? It's it's a lot of times easier to tap into that intuition to really realize, wait, this is this is in my ancestry. You know, this this isn't difficult. This is easy. It's just coming back to what we've always known. And I feel like that can really make a difference when people have that connection to realize, okay, you know, maybe there are some things that have been introduced to us from others that we want to keep. You know, it's certainly not to say that new modern technologies or ideas are all bad because there's nothing that's all bad or all good, right? Um, however, coming from a place of realizing, here are some new things. We haven't always been doing them this way. Do they still serve us? Are they someone else's or are they really ours? And let's make that choice now. We can make that choice. Like, okay, I want to keep doing this. Or you know what? I'm going to go back to the way things had been for my ancestors and, and my, my people and, and see how that works and see if that feels better. So I feel like bringing this topic up and putting it in front of people really has opened a lot of doors for folks to have some realizations and just feel more comfortable. Oh, now I understand, you know, some of what's happened and how we got here. And now I know how to, to tap into that wisdom. Yeah, I love that. Yes. You know, as uh, you say that uh, effectively, you know, before colonization, there were a lot of uh, wisdom before that got lost, that got, um, you know, buried, got, uh, you know, destroyed or whatever. And sometimes, yes, going back. And as they say, you know, nothing is really new under the sun, actually. Things keep recycling. So what we think perhaps that the new technology perhaps has always been in the past, we don't know. Uh, yes. Tapping into ancient wisdoms um, and going back to some of the roots of uh, where things come from actually can produce us so many wisdom or so many new source of innovation as well. You yes. know, as you were talking about that uh, last um, a few years ago, uh, a professor of MIT, which is like up there, mm. But from African descent, from Zimbabwe, we went in South Africa to use, use actually innovation from the ground. So from the grassroots level. So yeah. finding the innovation in Africa where actually um, things came from, you know, rather than going from the Silicon Valley or the kind of big tech down, looking at the innovation from the grassroots level. And we have discovered so many different things. Um, you know, it was 12 uh, multidisciplinary uh, team. We went all there in a village in uh, Makuleke, called Makuleke, and uh, we really discovered so many things. So a lot of things can uh, be brought, especially now where this culture is finding itself, we can find so much wisdom from our past actually yeah so yes. i love that decolonizing and it will help help as well so because we have to we have to unlayer we have to take off all those layers out of us and really find yes. the truth what is the roots i love that so um in i know also that you have done so many things you have escaped job that you hate to do what you love you follow this minimalistic lifestyle you make unconventional choices like raising kids outside the school system so many things and living car free etc yes <laughs> so anyone who wants to change their lifestyle today where do they start 
Yes, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it can be so exciting. And then you think, oh, wait, I, you know, I want to do all these things at once. It just sounds so great. I just want to, you know, start the life that I, I love now. Um, so I do advise not doing everything at once, as exciting as that may sound and, and you know, be for us, uh, because it, it does take a while. You know, as we've already said, it, it's been years of conditioning to have some of the, the lifestyle choices and habits that we have. So it's gonna take longer than overnight or a week or so, right? To, to peel back these layers, mm -hmm. that takes time. So what I encourage folks to do is to pick one area and it's going to be the area that you think about the most often, right? So even if you're thinking, oh, well, I can think of five or six things, you know, there's something there that when you're still in quiet, it, you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know, I wonder, or you hear someone else talking about it, you get really excited and you think, oh, I'd love to look into that. I, I, I really love to know what that would be like. So it's that one area that lights you up the most, that excites you the most, that you just cannot wait to delve into and start with that and, you know, start with a small piece of it. So for example, I get asked a lot about the car-free lifestyle. You know, there are places in the world where that's easier than others. Uh, and, you know, when I talk to people around the world in different areas, they sometimes they think, oh, that would be pretty easy. And sometimes they say, how is that possible? There's just no way I could do that, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, look at where you are and see if you can even just sample a bit of that. So for example, people who, who have been using a car a lot or more than one car, and they just want to experience what it would be like, I tell them to start with maybe one errand or one task that they could use another mode of transportation to get to, whether it's walking, whether it's biking, whether it's public transportation, just one thing. And maybe it's something you do every week. Maybe it's the store, maybe it's the library, you know, one thing that you've identified, okay, there's another way I could get to that, or even a car share, carpool, something like that. So, you know, start with that kind of thing rather than, I'm going to go sell my second car and you should just go down to one, you know, it's a stair step process, you know, and if that seems easy, great, you can add more, right? If you want to use your mobile phone less, you know, start with turning it off for three hours a morning, maybe, you know, work your way into more. I don't recommend folks just you know, turn it off for a week or not have it with them for a day or throw it, you know, although you may feel like throwing it out the window sometimes, right? So just a taste of that, enough for you to tell yourself, well, it's still here, you know, right? The car is still here. The phone is still here. You know, all of these different things, they're still here. And I remember when I made some of these choices, I thought, well, you know what? I can always get another car. I can always get a phone if this doesn't work. You know, we could put our kids into the school system. It's still here, right? So reminding yourself that even as you're trying this one thing and a piece of it, you can always make a different choice. If it doesn't work out, you do things differently. Nothing is set in stone. You're not committing to anyone here. This is an experiment for you. And so in that way, I think it's a little less scary and a little less attainable when you realize it's just an experiment. It's just something you're trying and you're going to see how things feel and you can evaluate and assess from there. I love that. I love that idea that this is an experiment. You can just try things out. And that is how life works. You know, try it. If you don't try it, you'll never know actually if it works or not. So if you want to live in a new country, go and live there for a while and see if yes. you like it, you know? Um, you know, th these are like very, very sound advice, like step-by-step. Step. Again, as you say, you don't have to do everything at the same time and throw away your computer, your, your no computer, yeah, your mobile phone and your car and everything else. But uh, yes, you can just try to live without that for a few periods of time and then see how it feels. You know, you can add some more and add some more and add some more. And uh, yeah, before you know, I, I went into a meditation for 10 days uh, once and uh, without any phone, actually, for 10 days, wow. no phone. And I came out and said, actually, I didn't need that phone, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we can do things differently. So we just have to experiment. And I love that. Experimentation is key, actually. So um, in terms of now, let's talk about the great resignation which is really like the focus on this season is really yes. exploring this great resignation. And one, I love one of your perspective, which you say that human are finally prioritizing themselves 
and how they feel rather than just showing up to places they don't that they don't feel connected to work. So tell us more about your perspective on this great resignation, actually. Yes, I love that you were talking about this, Francine. It was so exciting to me when I found that out because I thought this is great. Someone's talking about it. Um, and honestly, uh, I, I don't want to say I saw it coming, but, you know, I've thought for years, like, when is at some point, right, there's going to be this shift, there's going to be this realization of people, we cannot, you know, keep living in this way. As I mentioned, I had been in the corporate world um, in the United States for 10 years, um, very much because at the time I was following what everyone said you were supposed to do. So, you know, going to university, getting a certain type of degree, and then moving on to work for certain sizes of companies and, you know, working your way up all of the these different terms. So I had that experience. Um, and it wasn't until I was out of it that I realized how miserable I had truly been, and that it wasn't at all fitting with who I was, and that the stress from trying to fit myself into that culture had taken its toll on my health and well-being. And I was a fairly healthy person. And, you know, again, it's like one, you don't always realize something until you're away from it. And I thought, oh, I was tired. I, you know, I didn't have as much energy as I would like to have all these kinds of things. So, so I, I really do say that I feel like it's, I, I've, it's been a long time coming, you know? And so I do think that there is this wider understanding now that the, of that, that feeling of, I'm just, you know, why am I going through those motions? What, what exactly is the payoff? How is this helping anyone, frankly? Because, you know, folks who are just sort of going through the motions and, you know, working for other people, perhaps for missions they don't even align with, for, for reasons that don't feel good to them. Uh, you know, it's one thing if you feel really passionate about uh, an organization and you're doing work for them and that sort of thing. I think so many people were, and frankly, some still are uh, in that situation. Uh, but a lot of, of these folks in the Great Resignation realized that it was just really taking from them. There was nothing be positive being put out there because even if they were showing up and doing the things that they were being asked to do, you know, if we're not if we're not pursuing our soul's purposes, we're really doing a disservice to the world. I think that the energy we show up with, uh, it affects everyone else. It's affecting our coworkers. It's affecting our teams, the people we're working for, and frankly, the customers and clients that are either buying the products or utilizing the service, it all ripples out. So when you have people actually pursuing what their soul's purposes and passions are, that also ripples out. And then they're doing things that are improving the world. They're working for organizations that are, are making things better for people. And all of that shows up then as well in the customers and clients for that. So I really feel like the great resignation has been, you know, all of that energy of this, this just isn't going to work anymore. You know, it's, it's, I deserve more, the customers deserve more, everyone deserves more. And we need to, to go ahead and actually make mindful choices instead of just showing up the places we're told to be because we want, you know, some money that pays for these items that by the way, we might not even want. And that's like a whole other piece of the cycle, right? We, a lot of times people feel so trapped by this, you know, almighty paycheck that, they're using for things they actually don't even want that also don't align with their lifestyle, where they want to be living, what they want to be owning and all of that. So I feel like this is, is sort of the first step in people's, you know, a broad realization that we've got to break this cycle and here's how we do it. We need to step away and start over. Yeah, I love that. Yes, we need to step away for that. And I really love that. If we are not uh, actually living our sole purpose, we are doing a disservice to ourselves. I really love that. And this great resignation has been, as you say, you know, also saw that coming. And, uh, you know, the pandemic was just like a great eye opener for everybody else. You know, now we have the time to reevaluate our life, to see what is possible to do. And also all those lives that are gone what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I think that it was really like a wake up call for so many people who were sleepwalking actually. Yes. Uh, and um, just decided, okay, this is not going to happen. You know, we're just going to live, you know, where the, the paycheck is no longer enough for my suffering. I think, you know, those people just say, well, let's go and find some another way of doing life. 
Uh, and I hope that, you know, this is going to be the, the, uh, a new beginning of uh, how organization, how the workplace is going to um, get people uh, in the workplace, actually, to really see how they can empower people rather than just, you know, taking uh, what they have to offer and just seeing <laughs> them without anything at the end of the day. Okay, wonderful. So let me, uh, tell me now, um, what is one of the most challenging moments that you've encountered in your life? And what was your key learning for that? Oh, let's see, one of the most challenging moments. So I would say that what's coming to mind is, uh, when I was first married to my husband, we had a relative um, on his side of the family that um, was struggling with some mental illness and was reaching out to us for alternatively support. And, you know, sometimes I think maybe didn't even know what they were looking for. It was taking a lot of our resources. And we were in that position where, you know, as so many of us, we wanted to help. We didn't want to say no. So we were really kind of ignoring our ourselves, our boundaries, our preferences to try to help this person. And I remember it, it sticks out so much in my mind because it went on for so long until at a certain point, um, you know, it was taking its toll on ourselves individually, but also one another in our relationship, you know, well, I, I, this is your relative. I don't know, you know, like, what should we say? I think we should do make a different choice, but we need to agree this type of thing. And then that was rippling out as everything does, right? And to thinking about it at other times a day, it was a source of stress. I was concerned about when this person was going to show up again and that kind of thing. And so what ended up being the biggest teacher for me was that when I realized finally that holding my boundary and figuring out what was right for our family was actually not selfish or not just self-serving. It was also teaching this person who didn't understand boundaries for themselves. And I realized at some point, wait, we're not helping this person. We're modeling for them, you know, not setting boundaries, which this individual also has a struggle with. And we're also just enabling them to not help themselves or, you know, work with organizations or what have you to get their own support. So we're not really helping them. And when I realized that, I was actually able to utilize that lesson for subsequent situations in my life. And so I was really grateful that even though that time was extremely stressful and challenging for me as well as for other family members, I've been able to draw on that memory to set boundaries in the future, to help clients with similar situations, and to understand how when we live in the way that is in our truth, we model that for other people who may need to see that example, because if they've never seen it, then they're also repeating potentially unhealthy patterns and they're getting stuck in their life. So realizing that we do ourselves a service and then we also model for others how they can help themselves in these situations, um, that, that's, that was the challenge and, and what I really learned from that. Mm, I love that. I love the fact that sometimes, you know, all the all the the big, you know, challenging moment that we have, I think is opportunity for us to really learn some lessons. And if we don't learn those lessons, it keeps repeating, right? If you haven't yes. learned that lesson and you haven't set those boundaries, <laughs> God knows where, you know, this situation will have led you. Um, so, but uh, being able to really identifying the lesson in our challenge is like, I think one of the big things that we can do actually. Every time that we go through a situation, I always ask myself, what's the learning here? What's the learning? Yes. <laughs> what I really love to know, actually, what's the learning? Because if you don't learn it this time, it's going to come back another time and then you're going to learn that. Um, so, you know, having identified that and also including that in your practice now is really beautiful, actually, the way that you, you are doing it. So now tell me, what is your purpose in life, uh, Meredith? My purpose in life. So it's interesting <laughs> because what comes to mind and, and what often I think of is that my purpose in life is to make people uncomfortable to an extent in order for them to realize that it's time for them to move into where they're meant to be. And I say it that way because I used to think my purpose was just to help people 
you know, live a life of joy. That's certainly part of it. I feel like my unique gift and purpose lies within that discomfort piece. So I am going to be, you know, showing up to be there and support those folks. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to say some of the things that might be new to people that might take a while to process and that might make them uncomfortable with the ultimate goal of pushing them beyond what they've always known in order to get to a better place. I think that is really, really healthy. And that's what you did with your uh, family member as well, actually getting them uncomfortable and confronting your own button. Uh, Some people don't like that and then they will resent that. But actually when they see that, actually you are really making them a service in the moment, obviously it doesn't really sound like (laughs) that you are doing, you know, if you're in this situation, say, get out of my house. Yes. (laughs) Oh, actually, that was the moment that actually um, I took, um, you know, uh, my life in my own hands. So I think, yes, having a way in a way um, of being uncomfortable in life, this is what actually make us move actually forward. So I love that, yes. that you want to make people uncomfortable. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> movement that you want to build or are leading in the world? So I believe that when we make ourselves a priority rather than everyone else, we will end up taking care of others. So it feels, I think, sometimes counterintuitive, but I am really, I'm really striving for a movement of folks who are realizing that they need to put themselves first, make the decisions that align with their soul's purpose, and then go out there and to do that work, rather than thinking of how to help everyone else first. So once this happens, quite honestly, uh, you know, my big dream is to see all these folks who are empowered, who are confident, who are healthy and happy and serving in their soul's purpose every day, then sending that ripple out to be the example to the folks that are watching them do it and so on and so forth. So that truly it it becomes this worldwide phenomenon of how people are living their lives. And so that when new people enter the world, we're then teaching that from the very beginning of life so that young people just grow into their purpose from their first days, rather than some of the generations that we're working with now of folks having to do this unlearning and this relearning and that sort of thing, that at some point, the new generations to come will will just be growing up and learning the way of following your soul's purpose from the very beginning. Mm, yeah, following your soul purpose from the beginning. Yep, that's what we should do and go out after that, like uh, putting your mask first, right? And before you go out there. Yes. People. That's wonderful. So um, knowing what you know now, which advice would you give your younger self to do more meaningful work and live a meaningful life? Uh, I would tell my younger self to feel the fear and do things anyway. Um, I was definitely reluctant to make choices that were outside of the norm when I was younger. Um, And so I would tell myself to be brave, as scary as it is, and to acknowledge that, you know, not to not be afraid because that's just not natural and to go ahead and and try these things sooner, (laughs) to try them now, um, and and it'll be okay, that it will be okay, even though in the moment it doesn't feel like it, to go ahead and and make those different choices. Yeah, I love that. I also love this, feel the fear and do it anyway. And actually, at the beginning of the year, what I did, I even set up my scary challenge uh, where I was for 21 days going out every single day and go and do something that is scaring me. If one day I go out without being scared, I know that I haven't pushed myself. So oh. I thought, as much as I want to, you know, make sure that I feel the fear do anyway, why don't I give me myself the task of being afraid? <laughs> <laughs> That if I'm not afraid, there is a problem, right? Oh, so, yes. Every single day, go out there and find ways to be afraid. And it works <laughs> brilliantly. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
That's amazing. I love that actually. And it pushed me to do stuff that I wouldn't have done before. So tell me, uh, and we're going to come to the end of our interview now. What do you want to be remembered for? Hmm. You know, I think this goes along with what I'm here to do. I would like to be remembered for doing things differently, making people uncomfortable, pushing the envelope in a loving way with people knowing that the intent behind those things, even though that made a, might've made them angry or, or uncomfortable or, or just really nervous, um, with people knowing that the intent of all of that was to get them to a better place, to get them to see their joy, to get them to actually feel better than they'd ever felt before. So, so, you know, pushing them into that discomfort with love. That's what I would like to be remembered for. That's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> so any last piece of guidance that you love to pass on to our listeners to do more meaningful work and live a meaningful life? I would say that beyond some of the things that we've already talked about in terms of, you know, feeling the fear and making those hard choices anyway, I think that if you feel like you don't fit in, that's okay. That's another thing probably also that I would have told myself um, as a younger person. And in fact, it could be great because it's only through those new ideas, things that people haven't thought of, things that people aren't doing that better things come about. So if you feel like you don't fit in, that you know your ideas are different, don't be afraid to share them, speak out. You'll also probably be surprised at the number of people that are thinking what you've just said and have never said it for the same reason that you hadn't said it. So go ahead and say those things, be who you are, even in the midst of others who may not seem like you, because you might find, first of all, other friends and community. And second of all, you will be an inspiration for other people. Mm, I love that. I really love that. Usually we think that uh, our idea may not be that smart, but actually a lot of many other people are thinking the same and they will be relieved that you asked that question. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, wonderful. I love that. I love that. So how can people reach you and learn more about you and your work? Well, I have a website that you can visit, which is just decolonizingyourhealth.com. I have a free guide there if people are interested in delving a little bit more to um, doing decolonizing work and how that can look for them. And that's just at decolonizingyourhealth.com forward slash guide. Um, you can read my articles out there. I have lots of them. And you're also welcome to send me a contact message through there. It'll come straight to my email. I'd love to hear from you. Ask any questions you have, and um, I'd be happy to connect. Wow. So thank you so much, Meredith. Uh, it was really great to have this conversation with you and really sharing your wisdom and your gems with our, our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. That is it for today. I will see you next week for another episode of this season eight. Hey, if you're ready to get more meaning in your life, make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world and become a recognized thought leader in your industry, you better get on my email list where I send unique tips and practical strategies every single week in your inbox. Sign up to receive my free personal branding checklist. This is a one-page checklist that will help you pinpoint immediately which of the seven areas you should focus on to create an influential personal branding and make a bigger impact. So just head over to francinebelay.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. And until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.